0: Good morning, everyone. Friends, um, our first reading from Deuteronomy. um, One has to read uh, the whole chapter to understand really what uh, what is happening, and what's happening is the people, as you probably remember from your studies of Old Testament in the time of Moses, the people were not listening to God. They're being disobedient. They weren't listening. Uh, They wanted something different, and that's why we hear God say, "Rightly so, they asked." Uh, for, and I will give them a prophet like you. They weren't listening to Moses. Uh, that's why Moses says, then you'll listen to him, There's one that comes. And uh, then it says, it's almost, uh, Deacon and I probably picked up on it before you guys, there's almost a warning. To the prophet, I will put my words in his mouth, and he will proclaim those words to the people. And should he proclaim his own, I, he will die. And I thought, oh, Deacon, and I must take note of that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Um, because uh, we are uh, ordained ministers. So, uh, but what's happening is that people are not paying attention, they're not being obedient. So Moses is trying to get them to listen and to be obedient. Uh, Saint. Paul, there's the same thing going on. If you don't read the whole thing, the whole chapter, it sounds as if if you're married, you have all kinds of problems, and if you're not, you have less problems. <laughs> Now, maybe that's true. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that's not what Paul is actually saying when you read the whole thing. What he's actually doing is he's leveling everything. He, Everyone's equal. Now, Deacon and I, have Deacon, we have different roles, but we are not better. We just have different roles. And, but what Paul ultimately is saying is, all of you, married or not, you've got to be about Jesus. You've got to be living your life that way. And I live it out one way as a priest. Deacon lives it out of, another way as a deacon and a married man. Uh, you, were, you, know, you, know, you live it out anyway as a married couple. Where is your little one? Grandma, Grandma has. Alright. So Oh, it's date day for you. So my friends, this is what's happening in that second. Mark's gospel is the same thing. But my friends, so here we go. Um, typically, you guys probably don't know this, by the time the 11 o'clock mass happens, you get homily third edition which is the longest version and the deepest. (laughs) 5.30 gets Fluff Homily, so I switched things up. Last night, they really got the deep version of it, and you are about to get the Fluff Homily, (laughs) if you will. You're going to get a different one. So I focused on Mark's Gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. This homily, I'd like to take a look at the person who's possessed. First, I want to tell you that uh, the priests of Jesus' time who were in the temple uh, were exorcists. So there is no way that the man that Jesus, that's being talked about by Mark, did not encounter those exorcists. They failed him. The church of that time failed that man. So I want to take a look and see, what is this? I wonder about how this man felt after failed attempts to cleanse him of this demon. We can only imagine what his life was like to have a demon that was harassing him, trying to destroy everything around him, including his family, his life, everything. And perhaps he had tried to fight it on his own but was not successful. So he went to the priest of his time And they couldn't do it. I thought maybe each day he thought, this is the day this thing will leave me alone. That I would have peace again. But each passing day, nothing changed for this man. The unclean spirit power was too much for him, and it took control at different times in his life, wreaking havoc, perhaps allowing him to have a little bit of a lull, but then it would raise its head within him and take over again. But then one day, in that synagogue, a man showed up, Jesus of Nazareth, a man that did not just offer words or ideas or theories about everything or even about this man's situation, but rather He had this unheard of authority and power. And he was going to set this man free, finally. Jesus gazed upon the man and addressing the unclean spirit, just speaks these words Quiet, come out of him. And finally, he was free. He would look up into Jesus' eyes and know freedom, finally. My friends, there was unspeakable gratitude, I suspect, in this man's heart. And he sees the love of Jesus, of Nazareth, and what he does not understand in the moment is that he is looking into the very face of God God is looking at him. God has shown up in a unique way because Mark's gospel attempts to tell you who Jesus is. It begins, as a matter of fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. The Lord came to make clear something. Salvation. That was his agenda for humanity. This salvation had been the secret behind Christianity's constant expansion throughout the world. It ends in the gospel, uh, it says that Jesus taught something, but the order of the story is changed. He, Mark says, he taught something and everyone was, every, everybody was amazed. And then what Mark does in the next piece, he says, let me tell you what he did. The truth of the matter is in this particular gospel reading that you heard, Jesus teaches nothing. He just says four or five words. Quiet, come out of him. That's all Jesus says. It's his presence. The very presence. Jesus is able to move and transform and change people just by his presence. Which is unlike the teachers of his time. That's what Mark is getting at, and it's because he is God. Yes, the Son of God, but we have a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, they are one. This man is freed on that afternoon. He became to understand true freedom. So what does that mean for us? Perhaps there are forces or demons in our own life forces of darkness outside of us, forces of darkness perhaps inside of us that want to take control also. And folks at time uh, often have thought that if they just have the right ideas, perhaps read something a little bit more, if I just Google this and get more information that somehow they can think themselves into freedom. when what they actually need is God and his grace. And so many intellectuals, particularly in the sciences, have tried so hard with vast knowledge to do these things. Vast knowledge they possess, but real power, no. Doctors have vast knowledge, and they have a type of authority. Freedom? To give it? True power? No. There are dark forces that try to control our life, such as hate and greed and uncontrolled jealousy. These are powers that would like to destroy your life, and wreak havoc in it. And in doing so, will rob you of your freedom and of your purpose by God. And within it lurks, behind it, the evil one. Now, my friends, we should not demonize all things. To do that is to push culpability from ourselves. But we must understand that there is someone behind a lot of it. Today, what I encounter is people who do not believe that Satan exists. Christians who don't believe Satan exists. I don't even know what to do with that. I'm like, so everything Jesus said was a lie? Or he made it up? No, he exists. As a matter of fact, Satan would want you to not believe he exists. It's easier for him that way. So we don't demonize everything, but we know who is behind wicked things. Sometimes I think one can feel that they are at the mercy of such dark things, and then one day light begins to shine, and that darkness is dispelled. That is the very grace and power and love and mercy of God, of Jesus, the Christ, Those powers that seem to try to defeat you and I recede before the power of Christ. Jesus can do for us what he did for that man in the gospel on that day in the synagogue. Mark says Jesus did something he taught, but in that afternoon Jesus embodied everything. Word, action, grace, because he's God. So he acted with true authority. It was his mere presence that moved something. I try to move you with my homily. Jesus doesn't have to do that. (laughs) He just shows up and can do everything. He spoke with the authority of God because he was God. He is God. And the unclean spirit inside of a church, because that's what temple is, inside of a church, that demon was in there and ironically testified on behalf of Jesus. That's funny, the demon. Well, I know who you are. Ooh, you're Jesus. He didn't say Jesus. He said, I know who you are. You are the Holy One. The word that's used, our English word is holy and doesn't give it all. The word is kadash. You are different. You, kadash of God, the different one. My opinion, when the demon was speaking, demons think you guys are a bunch of monkeys. (laughs) So he's saying you are not like the rest of humanity. You are different. Today, people desire freedom from powers that dominate them. And so often they turn to the wrong things, superstitions, good luck charms, the 1-800-CALIFORNIA PSYCHICS. I see that on when I, have, I can't sleep at night, and I turn on the TV, and there's the 1-800-Psychics. And witchery of all sorts. Christians need to avoid such things, because even in jest, what starts off as humor, humor can turn deadly serious for the Christian. Jesus has come to liberate all of us from the forces of evil, the ones that are outside of us and the ones that dwell within us, as Jesus said, in the human heart. He does so because he loves us and he wants us to live in the dignity and the freedom, the true freedom, the real freedom that comes from being children of the one true and living God. Christians should avoid anything that dilutes, divides, or weakens faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Whatever forces one battles, know that there is one who is stronger and is present to us. So many things and people promise you liberation, but just end up making you a slave and an addict. Jesus, who has true authority and power, does not dominate you, just invites you. And he gives you true freedom. He does not use a power that is forceful and dominates. He just sets you free. That afternoon in a synagogue in Capernaum, Jesus did what no one else could do for this poor man who suffered so much. He gave him freedom to live. In this, the Christian finds hope. Whatever dark and unclean force that may be in one's life, whatever demon of the past or in the present, what Jesus did for that man, he can do for you and I. Recognize the one who has true power to cast out, who seeks to enter into your lives so that you will have freedom and ultimately that you would have life eternal It is faith that makes sense of life's mysteries by helping us to see as God sees. The Holy One of God, this Jesus, who saves is not a hero figure or persona from the past long ago. Jesus is alive and real and present to us as he was present in the synagogue. Jesus Christ is present among us in the church as he promised that he would be. He said, I will be with you for all time. He is present to us in the Eucharist. He promised. He is in the tabernacle every day and every night, sacramentally, as he promised. And the sanctuary light burns brightly, that red lamp, to remind you of his glory and that he is here. Whenever we need to let the power of his grace fortify our weary souls We have the sacraments instituted by Christ in our church the sacrament of reconciliation, confession, the sacrament of confirmation. The very name, the very same Jesus who expelled demons of all sorts and astonished the crowds, he is present with you in sacred scripture. In the Bible, the only book with well, many books, but 77 of them that is inspired directly by the Holy Spirit. There is no other book or collection of books like it. When our worried hearts need to hear his words of wisdom, we can find it in there and in his church. Christ himself is present in all these ways and all time. You simply have to open your hearts and minds to him. Trust his words and his promises. But our hope in this lasting happiness and true meaning and fruitfulness in his saving grace and not in human theories and superstitions and idols, but in him, in him alone. Amen? Amen?